Okay, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 46 and 47. And as we've been looking at chapter 45 in the, in the previous chapter taught, it was titled, Now I See Why, as Joseph was presented by God everything that was to come. Why was I thrown in the pit by my brothers? Why was I betrayed by my brothers and sold into slavery? Why was I put in the prison falsely? And of all things, why was I put in charge of all of Egypt after this was said and done? Because God had a plan. He had a perfect plan. And so we want to look at that as chapter 45, it, it showed the, the revealing of who Joseph was to his brothers as they haven't seen each other in a period of probably 20 years. The brothers showed up in search of food and who do they approach and charge? None other than their younger brother, Joseph, who they'd sold off. So we're going to take a look here as, as within time, they didn't know who he was, but he knew who they were. So when they had come back with the youngest son, who was jo Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, who he required to be brought over to him to prove that he was still alive, they brought him, and as they were having dinner in their house, or in Joseph's house, Joseph just couldn't take anymore. And Joseph started to weep heavily as he revealed who he was. So with shock, they, they realized that he was alive, not just that he was alive, but that he was actually in charge of Egypt of all things. So they returned back to their homeland to tell their father, Jacob, that he's not only alive, but alive and well. And that he offered for them to come and live in, in prime land. So let's take a look here at chapter 46 first, as I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And it says, So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you of a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their, their father Jacob, their little ones and their wives, and the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their wives, their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants went with him. His sons and his sons and his daughters and his sons' daughters and with all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. And now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons, who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. So on his journey though, he he, to Egypt, he stopped at Beersheba to honor God. And why Beersheba? It was because this was a special place where Jacob's grandfather came to worship. And that grandfather was none other than Abraham. Abraham at that time planted a tamarisk tree there where he called on the Lord. And then Jacob's father Isaac built an altar there where he received his promise from God. And it was here that he stopped and God spoke to him and told him to go to Egypt. And, and after the, the family moved there, 400 years later, they did become a great nation there. Now, from verses 9 through 27, it gives strictly the names of Jacob's descendants in a long list. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you verses 28 to 34, because in that section, all it is is a, is a list of names. 
In chapters 28 to 34, it says, Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? That ye shall say your servants' occupation has been livestock from our youth even till now. Both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Jacob sees for himself that Joseph lived. And he thought that he could die in peace now. Now, in the previous chapter, when Pharaoh found out about Joseph's family, he offered the land of Goshen, which was a great place. It was rich in agriculture. It was close to the main river, the Nile. It was, it was offered in favor due to Joseph as the Pharaoh had favor to Joseph. And as Joseph instructs his family on their occupation, see, he did it for good reason. No one would bother them. It's said right there that a shepherd was an abomination in Egypt. And even in Israel, it was a, considered a low position, but in Egypt, it was even more so. See, sheep to them, to the Egyptians, were unclean animals, and so were anyone who cared for them. And Joseph was blessed with wisdom beyond others, which is why he was in the position that he was. And by stating what they did or what they were going to do for a living, no one would bother them as a bunch of Hebrew foreigners who were tending to sheep. And then second, by them staying as shepherds, it kept them from involving in the Egyptian cultures, keeping and preserving their ways in which God had in store for them as a future tribe founders, as we will now look at uh, chapter uh, 47. In chapter 47 now, as we get into it, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 that says, Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them... Then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob had blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh personally gives the land of Goshen to Jacob and his flocks, as well to be kept. When God made his covenant to Abraham, God made known that Egypt would be in the future of his descendants. 
that there would be a 400 year time frame from there on that his descendants would leave there as a blessed nation and people. See, there is effectiveness in faith. The faithfulness of Joseph actually affected his family. And I think back at Joseph's life situations, you know, if you were thrown in a pit by your own brothers, what would you be thinking at that time? I would guarantee nothing good. <laughs> if you were thrown in prison, would you be wondering about your what your future would hold? Now, I would imagine he did. But what he did in the Bible that stood out more than anything was that he continued faith and obedience versus that of despair. By doing well, we, we get to see the exciting results that came from his faithfulness, you know. And again, God always smiles upon faith, obedience, and humility. The, the things he honors because by living by those three things, it's honoring him. Now Jacob blessed Pharaoh, as he should, because no others after this one will show the blessings that this Pharaoh did to the people, to his, to his family. But we see that Jacob himself blessed Pharaoh. See, the interesting thing is that by blessing someone, it was done by the greater one than the lesser. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7 says that, that beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. And Pharaoh, see, Pharaoh may have been king. But in God's eyes, Jacob was above the Pharaoh as he was anointed by God himself. Pharaoh was an instrument used by God, and it would be interesting to see in he to be in heaven and to see this particular Pharaoh there. And it would, be, it would have been with Joseph's influence. You just never know what God's going to do and who he's going to use. Always quite interesting. As we're in chapter 47, we're going to be looking at verses 8 to 17 now. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt and the, and the, the best of the land and the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his fathers household with bread according to the number of their families. Now, there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they had bought, and Joseph, Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock, if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year.
Jacob was some of the few last people in the Old Testament uh, to live as far as 130 years old as God had preserved him to come to this point. But in, in some chapters back, Joseph told Pharaoh that this would happen. A, a complete famine. So store whatever we can. What went from an overabundance finally came to overconcern from the Egyptian people. And it's pretty scary when one's money cannot help you. When famines and droughts and catastrophes happen, there's no longer rich or poor people or middle class. There's only common reliance. And that reliance is on a source that creates water, food sources, and life in general, and that's God himself. Joseph used a wise, a wise secondary plan of taking cattle. The majority of the growth was wheat, and that dried up. But Joseph took care of his family by supplying them according to their families and households. Uh, this could be seen as the beginning of a prophetic scene for the millennial kingdom. Uh, a while back I taught the book of Ezekiel in a home study that I've led over some years. And in chapter 48 of Ezekiel, portions of land is given to the twelve tribes. And these are Joseph and his eleven brothers. See, as they play a big role uh, biblically and prophetically, this was the beginning stages of their journey in Egypt. As portions of land and bread were given to them, God will give bigger portions later. So Joseph was able to provide bread for the people, but there will come a time when God will say that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and let's take a look now at verses 18 to 26. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from the Lord that our money is gone. My Lord has also has our herds of livestock, and there is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not desolate. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field, because the famine was severe among them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities, from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh and they ate their rations which Pharaoh gave them before they did not sell their lands then Joseph said to the people indeed I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh and look here is seed for you and you shall sow the land and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one fifth to Pharaoh four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field for your food and those of your households and for food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be in Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests, only which did not become Pharaoh's. Joseph implemented a 20% tax of sorts, which really isn't bad if you think about it. Uh, they had no money, no more cattle, 
So land was next, and it became Pharaoh's own personal property. But they were given seed to grow on their land, and some went to Pharaoh, and the rest was their own. So considering the harsh circumstances, this was more than fair from uh, an ancient government standpoint. We see that when godly leadership is involved, somewhere there was blessings on the land. And as we go through the Bible, uh, places will go from good to bad times and vice versa, as it was dependent on the nation's leaders of that nation. Uh, dependent on their actions, and more important, where they stood with God. The pagan priests got to keep their land, which is interesting in Joseph's actions as a Hebrew leader in Egypt. In Israel today, it's the only country in the Near East that, that protects the rights of foreign residents and, and foreign citizens of the land. And, and yes, Joseph was in Egypt. But he was, he was in charge and he was Hebrew by race. When God created the festivals in Israel, years later it was a requirement that people actually showed up. But you see, God also invited the foreigners living there as well to come and celebrate. When godly leadership was in the land, the land, the land was running at its absolute best. And lessons learned from these days still apply today because God never changes. May, may God help the nations around the world. But there can't be help or results until we invite him to lead what we have created and what man has destroyed. Only then can we really see the results to be changed. Many people always wish and pray for godly leadership in our nations, which we, we would always want. But what we're also going to see a change in our nations is when our communities are godly and worshiping God as well. And what a, what a great unity that would be. But we look at the headship of the nations and the leadership of this day, which had played a big role. It played a big role in many aspects. So we want to make sure that we, we observe these things and that we will continue to pray for our leaders, that they would be godly and that they would seek the things of God and that God would give them wisdom and discernment. And may we as leaders in our households and within our communities take action in, in our faith and in our, our humility, our obedience in God so we might see results within our own communities. That's when we're going to start seeing some major results. We need, the, we need the faith. We need all of the things that we're seeing here from the actions of what Joseph was allowed to do by God and his grace. And what a wonderful role model he was because of his circumstances being put in, in a foreign pagan land. But yet we see how God had blessed this place due to his presence there and his faith and obedience. Let's continue to take a look here in verses 27 to 31. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the length of Jacob's life was one hundred and forty-seven years. When the time draw near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, 
If I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But let me lie with my fathers that you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Jacob knew that his time was up at 147 years old and requested to be buried back home with his fathers. In fact, he was so serious about it that he made Joseph take an oath on his burial. You know, burials were important to the Hebrews to be in their family burial lands. Uh, caves were typically normal plots. And then putting one's hand under their thigh was an ancient cultural oath swearing. Abraham did it with his chief servant in the oath of regarding uh, uh, him finding a wife for his son Isaac. So that was an ancient way of instead of a handshake or maybe our typical way of doing a contract, that was the way they made an oath back in those days and within that culture. It would have been, again, it would have been in the form of a binding in a contract. He dwelt in Egypt with his family. But it wasn't his true home. Even though over the years his descendants did grow there in a 400 year period, and by the time of the Exodus there would be about 2 million Jews in Egypt that go back to their homeland. Again, God is good as we reflect on, on this situation. You know, Jacob lived for some time in mourning of his son Joseph. And then we take Joseph, who was, who was imprisoned for doing no wrong. But God allowed 17 years in the land of Egypt to make up for lost time with their family. Now, we don't have any accounts of what, um, of what the 17 years was like. But from what we can see, that it must have been quality time. With a good quantity added to it, praise be to God. And with all of the crazy things we see and deal with in life, and yet God allows and intervenes in, in things for our teaching and benefit. But the best of all is an eternity in heaven. That is the greatest of all things. Because there is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. No more crazy stories of lies and betrayal and separation. It's non-existent in heaven. And it was due to the love and, and the grace of God by sending His Son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross. You see, we don't know what life holds, but God does. But eternity holds good beyond our imagination. And may we seek that. May, may we seek that. I love what Jesus said. For, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Now, what is the righteousness? Was Joseph righteousness be, was Joseph righteous because of his actions and so on and so forth? Partially, yes, but the greatest part of Joseph's righteousness was due to his faith and due to the fact that he believed. He believed in what God was going to do. We can only be made righteous through our faith and through our belief, first and foremost. And then the righteousness is by our actions follows. 
Because it's not something we can do on our own without Him. But the greatest part of it all is His belief in God, and that is what He looks for. He looks for belief. He looks for faith. He loves it when we we rely on Him. If you are a parent, if you're a mom or a dad, do you enjoy the fact that your children trust you? Do you love the fact that your children love you no matter what you no matter what happens? Well, how do you think God feels about us when we do that with him? See, we really truly were made in his image more and more as we see. We as parents we love that. We want our children to trust us. We want our children to love us no matter what. We want our children to love us and want to be around us no matter what the situation is in life because we may not be able to accomplish everything, but God can. Now, as we parents, as we fall short in something, you know, sometimes the children can be disappointed in us. And then there's some that that don't even worry about it. They still love their parents no matter what. And that is something to be happy about. And that is something that God looks for. Do we want to be with Him just because of what He can do for us? Again, when I look at Joseph in the previous chapter where I titled, Now I See Why, we see where he got was because Joseph did not fall off the course. Joseph didn't denounce God when he was in prison. Joseph didn't denounce God when he was sold off into slavery. Joseph continued to be faithful, and he continued to walk closely. He continued to worship. And therefore... We see the results. And I love what what others have said in the Bible too. When they were put in the fire, and I'm talking literally. When they were questioned if their God can save them. And they would say, yes, we know our God can save us. But if he chooses not to, we will not denounce his name. And what a blessing to know that there are some out there that continue with the faith and love that we've seen in that. So may we continue to be that. May we be that. May we not worry about circumstances in life as much as possible. I know it's hard. But it can't be. It can only be done through the power of our Lord. So I want to give you the opportunity to know our Lord and to experience Him. You can only experience Him when He comes into you and lives lives in your spirit. But you must invite Him in. You must receive the Lord Christ in your heart in order to receive salvation. So I want to give you the opportunity to say a prayer with me if you feel led. To receive the Lord as your Lord and Savior. Say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, that you would wash me of my sins. As, Lord, as I invite you into my heart, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior. And, Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for having me. 
I want to thank you, Lord, for saving me. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me a place, Father, when my time is up. So may you come into my life and into my heart right now, Lord. As Father, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we always save the best for last, don't we? (laughs) It's the receiving of our Lord. So I pray that you would continue to seek and walk with Him at all times. Because He's watching us. And He's walking with us. But we want to make sure that we're walking with Him. So may this opportunity to receive the Lord be with you strongly. And may you continue to go through the Word of God to be equipped and to grow in Him. So I want to bless you now and wish you all the best in your life with Christ Jesus. May God bless you.